about hate crimes let the games begin let's analyze this thing it's a great intro candace you did a wonderful job setting the tone calling out democrats i don't know if any of what you're saying is necessarily true but we have to give you the opportunity here on black equity to analyze it fairly we can't just say we don't like candace owens and then not listen there's information, there's wisdom, either through the truth or through the lie. Seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single mother would, the single motherhood rate in the black community... Let's go back to the education. If that is true, that is a lot of, a lot of reason because of, of the school system is designed uh, to teach in a way that is not necessarily how everybody learns. So I don't know if she's blaming that on the black community or she's blaming that on the school system or is she just stating facts and not blaming anyone. I'm paying attention. 
which is at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74 Let's go back a little bit. ...dential election. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single, mother would, the single motherhood rate in the black community, which is at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74% today. I am guessing there will be no committee hearings about that. Facts. There will be no committee hearings about anything dealing <laughs> with, with that information. This is going to be good. There are more black babies born. There are more black babies aborted than born alive in cities like New York. And you have Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo lighting up buildings to celebrate late-term abortions. I could go. I'm not going to touch that. I'm not going to touch abortions. I, 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 there's nothing I can add to the to the valuable uh, information there. I would have to bring somebody on who is an expert in that area. I'm not touching it. On and on. My point is that white nationalism, white nationalism does not do any of those things that I just brought up. Democrat policies did. Now, I don't know if that is true, but it does. I do believe there's a part of that is true. That not everything is dealing with white nationalism. The Democrats and Republicans have to take responsibility and everybody in between responsibility for the society in which they've created. We, you can't let these people off the, off the hook. Now, that being said, I don't know if it had nothing to do with white nationalism. Both can be true. Why can't it be all of it? Why can't everybody be, be held accountable here? Let me be clear. The hearing today is not about white nationalism or hate crimes. It's about fear-mongering, power, and control. It's a preview of a Democrat 2020 election strategy, same as the Democrat 2016 election strategy. They blame Facebook, they blame Google, they blame Twitter. Really, they blame the birth of social media, which has disrupted. Ooh, facts, facts. I am tired. Every single time someone gets an opportunity to speak, they blame social media. It is not social media. It is the people using social media. It still all comes down to people. You have to look at who are the people behind social media. Everything can't be social media's fault. It just got here. Social media is actually pulling back the curtain so we can see what is going on in this society. 2020 election strategy, same as the Democrat 2016 election strategy. They blame Facebook. They blame Google. They blame Twitter. Really, they blame the birth of social media, which has disrupted their monopoly on minds. Facts. Ooh, that's facts. It has disrupted their monopoly on minds. And they can't, they don't know what to do with themselves. Now, that part is facts. Social media has disrupted their monopoly on the human mind. If you leave with nothing else, and let's say everything else she says is BS, that statement is 100% true. Social media has disrupted the monopoly on human minds. So much so that when we come out and say we are human beings, there are still people, there are still people wanting to call themselves descendants of slaves. When you argue 
a, a, a valid point and say, no, my friend, you're a human. Matter of fact, you may even be God. They will fight you and say, I'm not God. I'm not human. I'm a descendant of slaves. But beyond that point, there's bigger points that have been disrupted. And what has happened now is the whole system is crashing. The whole system is crashing because the, the amount of information that is coming out, you the, the lie is now the truth and the truth is now a lie and everything's topsy-turvy. We are now living in an upside down world. This is Stranger Things season 10. They called this hearing because they believe that if it wasn't for social media, voices like mine would never exist. Facts. That my movement Blexit, which is inspiring black Americans to lead, to lead the Democrat Party, would have never come about. And they certainly believe that Donald Trump would not be in office today. Facts. My only problem with your Blexit thing is they need to leave the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. There should be a whole nother party. You're not going far enough. And I, that's the part where it gets a little tricky. Looking on the next thing to focus on now that the Russian collusion hoax has fallen apart. Now that the Russian collusion hoax, we spent a, a year, two years talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. It comes out. There was no collusion. Now it's mums the word. Nobody has anything that they want to say. They don't know what talking point to talk about now because we can't talk Russian. We can't talk about collusion, even if it did happen because the report came out. So what you going to do now? What they won't tell you about this, the statistics and the rise of white nationalism is that they've simply changed the data set points by widening the definition of hate crimes and upping the number of reporting agencies that are able to report on them. Okay, we'll see if that's true. Give me some more information. What I mean to say is that they are manipulating statistics. Well, they, they've been doing that for years. Give me some proof, Candace. The goal here is to scare blacks, Hispanics, gays, and Muslims into helping them, center, helping them censor dissenting opinions, ultimately into helping them regain control. Didn't I tell y'all we have reached a dangerous place in our culture when we start censoring people because we don't like what they said? And y'all laughed at me. You said people can do whatever they want to do. That's what you told me. Y'all going to just censor anybody now? That We've reached a place where y'all about to censor everybody. And at that point, humans are no longer humans. They're robots. Of our country's narrative, which they feel that they lost. They feel that President Donald Trump should not have beat Hillary. That's true. <laughs> Where's the lie? If they actually were concerned about white nationalism, they would be holding hearings on Antifa, a far left, violent white gang who determined one day in Philadelphia in August that I, a black woman, was not fit to sit in a restaurant. That's that's true. There's no lie in that sentence. We're taking this thing line by line. They chased me out. They yelled race traitor to a group of black and Hispanic police officers who formed a line to protect me from their ongoing assaults. They threw water at me. They threw eggs at me. And the leftist media remained silent on it. I don't know if they threw water and eggs at her. I don't know that to be true. We can only take our word for it. If they were serious about the rise of hate crimes, we may, they may perhaps be examining themselves and the hate that they have drummed up in this country. Amen. It's time that all those people that are, are about to sit here and ask her questions, they need to examine themselves. How did you build this society to be what it is today? And now you want to blame the very people who are uprising and saying, hey, this is enough. Enough is enough. 
Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Huh. You're going to have to back that up. You're going to have to back that up during your line of questioning because I'm going to need to understand what you mean by that. Reparations and white... I know what you mean, but you're going to have to back it up. You can't just go around saying handouts and fear. Back it up. Supremacy, racism, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community is offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. Of course, society is not perfectible. We've heard testimony of that today. There are pockets of evil that exist, and those things are horrible, and they should be condemned. But I believe the legacy and the ancestry of black Americans is being insulted every single day. That's facts. But you're not holding Republicans. If she had came out and said Democrats and Republicans are responsible for the BS in this society, oh, my goodness, we could just go to another level. But with you only focusing on Democrats, now you sound biased. It's both. It's all of it. All of it is a joke. It ain't no one side over the other. I will not pretend to be a victim in this country. I know yeah, that is true. I can't do it, y'all. I cannot pretend to be a descendant of this and and be a victim of that. And oh, woe is me. Uh uh-uh. uh It's time to. It's time to. It's time to stand up for yourself. And not look for any handouts and go for what you feel is your vision and your purpose in life. Today, there are pockets of evil that exist and those things are horrible and they should be condemned. But I believe the legacy and the ancestry of black Americans is being insulted every single day. I will not pretend to be a victim in this country. I know that that makes many people on the left uncomfortable. I want to talk about real issues in black America. I want to talk about real issues in this country and real concerns. The biggest scandal, this is my last sentence, in American politics is that Democrats have been conning minorities into belief that we are perpetual victims, all but ensuring our failure. Racial division and class warfare are central to the Democrat Party platform. They need blacks to hate whites, the rich to hate the poor, and soon enough it'll be the tall hating the short. The time of the witness has expired, Ms. I, I don't hear any lies. I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit of fabrication in some of the things that she said. And some some tall people do hate short people. Some tall people say, you can't even talk to me unless you're this height. We got to tell the truth. We've gotten to the point where nobody can talk to anybody about anything because everybody thinks that they're better than everybody else who ever speaks to them. Everybody's on some type of fake pedestal. Everybody's on some type of fake hierarchy. Everybody thinks they're better than everybody else. Everybody, it's like a class. It's, it's my class is better than your class. This is the cool people's table. This is the popular people's table. Everybody thinks that they're all that. Everybody thinks that they're the coolest person in the school. Everybody's living their own fake movie. And it's time we wake up. Let's examine this deeper. You are able to share, Miss um, Walden spoke of hash sharing and, and digital fingerprints, when we're able to share videos that are violating across the industry, we're able to act more quickly. We also work with many of our external uh, with civil society, NGOs, and academics to get ahead of trends. 
of course, working with the government to learn as well. And I appreciate that. And I think one of the concerns that we come in, in, into, and especially when you get into, and you said hate speech, other things, is what is the definition of hate speech in the regards to, you know, the person of the actual human actually translate. You know, for some, that might be uh, someone who is pro-life, maybe hate speech to someone who's pro And we got, there's issues there. But when we come to this nationalism, this is an issue that we are, I think, addressing. I do want to go back to Ms. Owens for a second. You made a statement at the very beginning on why you were here. And I think the victim of, uh, if you've heard your story and there's been, you've told that story many times, but if you would share how that's affected your view as you go forward and the issues that you're wanting to address today. Uh, certainly. So when I was speaking about different classifications of hate crimes, which actually has increased and obviously impacts statistics, um, my when I was in high school, um, I received a slew of messages um, from the Democrat governor of Connecticut's son, um, Mr. Daniel Malloy. Um, and at the time, he was the mayor of Stanford and um, his son, along with three other boys, referred to me as the N-word, uh, threatened to tar and feather my family and put a bullet in the back of my head like, like they did to Martin Luther King. This is a story that's not often spoken about um, because the media has no interest in telling the truth about how it's formed my views towards conservatism. Um, the media turned it into a firestorm and it became a, a political tool for people to gain power. The NAACP uh, used me at that time, uh, which is meet me outside of the school with cameras in tow uh, to speak out against the crimes. Of course, now I'm older and I realize that that's really just a fundraising mechanism and that a lot of these groups survive because they cannot have the problem fixed ever. The NAACP never wants racism to go away. Woo! Ooh, that hit hard, y'all. <laughs> the NAACP never wants racism to go away. Let's play that back. Now, I'm not saying it's true. I think it's worth listening to and digesting it and letting it sit. Let it breathe for a second. Which actually has increased and obviously impacts statistics. Um, my, when I was in high school, um, I received a slew of messages um, from the Democrat governor of Connecticut's son, um, Mr. Daniel Malloy. Um, and at the time, he was the mayor of Stanford. And um, his son, along with three other boys, referred to me as the N-word, uh, threatened to tar and feather my family and put a bullet in the back of my head like, like they did to Martin Luther King. This is a story that's not often spoken about. Um, because the media has no interest in telling the truth about how it's formed my views towards conservatism. Um, the media turned it into a firestorm and it became a, a political tool for people to gain power. The NAACP uh, used me at that time, uh, which is meet me outside of the school with cameras in tow uh, to speak out against the crimes. Of course, now I'm older and I realize that that's really just a fundraising mechanism and that a lot of these groups survive because they cannot have the problem fixed ever. The NAACP never wants racism to go away. Um, the NAACP never wants the racism to go away. If you really think about that, if you really think about that, there could be some logic to that statement. It's hard to prove that, though, Candace. You're going to have to, <laughs> I mean, you're just throwing around abstract ideas that probably do have some merit. But goodness, that is a bold accusation, wouldn't you say, Candace? To go away. Um, bottom line, all I was looking for at that time was an apology. Uh, the youngest person in that car was 14 years old. 
Um, and I understand that human beings can make mistakes and do stupid things, uh, but we're not in a society anymore where an apology is good enough and we're obsessed with labels. We're obsessed with labeling people as racist as they did to those young boys. And it simultaneous, simultaneously impacted me as a victim. It's not fun to be a victim. And um, I, I'm, I'm adamantly against victimhood and I speak out to the black community about how it ultimately harms us. Uh, and, and I appreciate Anna for sharing that. And I think as we go forward, as I started my testimony with this, all of us here need to be heard. This is exactly what we're advocating. The more we hear, the more we can then at least relate to those who we may disagree with or agree with. And I thank you for, for being a part of this arrest. With that, I yield back. Quite sure that my colleagues on this side of the dais uh, share that point of view. And in fact, I'm quite confident that my colleagues on the other side of the dais uh, do as well. Um, Ms. Owens, let me begin with you if I can. Um, I think it's fair to say that you didn't start off on the conservative side of the ledger. Is that correct? That's correct. I was a liberal. Okay. And uh, so just on a couple of issues, and you mentioned them in, in your statement, but just to go back to them, if you could uh, tell us again kind of what they are and, and what, um, what hatred that you've experienced as a result of having this point of view. Um, you mentioned the term uh, Blexit. Would you describe what that is and what hate that you've experienced as a result of your position on that? Um, I launched a movement called Blexit, which is the black exit from the Democrat Party. Um, it should be the black exit from all parties in the American system. If you are listening to this podcast, I want you to exit all political parties and think for yourself. Be independent, my friends. Have your own personal ideology. Do not cave. I appreciate her talking about the Democrats, but why wouldn't she go a step further and say the Republicans? That's what concerns me about, about, about this movement, is it's not all the way. It's only, it's, only, it's only tiptoeing its way into where we really need to be as we elevate the conversation. When I became educated about the issues and stopped reacting emotionally, which is what the left wants us to do, presumably, when they hold up pictures of burning churches, I began to examine the facts and, and look. There, there, are th- there are three burning churches. Uh, was, it, was that Louisiana? I mean, we, I mean that is, that is a, appears to be real, unless you're saying Democrats purposely burnt those churches to make a story. Is that what you're saying, Candace? Is that what you're alleging? Look at some of the narratives they were spinning. For example, in 2016, it was police brutality. And I realized... Facts. Police brutality was the focus in 2016. It sure was. ...that they are dissuading us against um, our own best interests. And I wanted to have a more productive dialogue with the black community about the issues that are actually affecting us and impacting us. When I announced that I was a conservative, I've never seen anything more racist, more disgusting, more vitriolic, and more hate that's come my way in my entire life and the things that Democrats um, and the media say about me today. I've been referred to as an Uncle Tom, a bed wench. For those of you that don't know, that means a slave that sleeps with the master, a house nig- nigger. Um, and these are all words that have been said over and over again about black conservatives. We have the audacity to think for themselves and become educated about our history. And There is some truth to that. They may have also called you things because they just don't like you. I mean, it could be that, too. It may not necessarily be because you have a mind of your own and you're willing to leave the Democratic Party. It could be that. But it could also be a little mixture of they just don't like you. Uh, it could be a, a mixture of, of 
a lot of things. It could be just ignorance. There's a lot of other things it could be, but I understand your point. Myth of things um, like the Southern switch and the Southern strategy, which never happened. You mentioned, I think- We're gonna have to examine that. I, I might have to pull that for another time. You're saying that the Southern switch, the Southern strategy, never happened. That's a whole nother deep dive that I'm going to have to do. We're going to have to reserve that moment and come back to that on a later episode. That's a lot to unpack to just say that something isn't real. I have to first study it and then uh, come back once the wisdom has been poured into me with the proper information. Maybe we can bring an expert in who understands that world. If you are an expert, at the Southern strategy, if you are, if you understand that world, let's sit down and have a conversation. I can't say if it's true or not true, but let's play that back because I think that is a, a pivotal moment within this conversation. Democrats um, and the media say about me today, I've been referred to as an Uncle Tom, a bed wench. For those of you that don't know, that means a slave that sleeps with the master, a house nig nigger. Um, and these are all words that have been said over and over again about black conservatives. We have the audacity to think for themselves and become educated about our history and the myth of things um, like the Southern switch and the Southern strategy, which now. The Southern switch and the Southern strategy. Start doing your research. We're going to be talking about that soon. Never happened. You mentioned, I think, on, uh, well, let me ask you this. I think you did on, on the life issue. Uh, you're, you're pro-life. Is that is that accurate? And That's correct. And I started off pro-choice. And what, what sort of uh, hatred, if any, have you experienced or do you get? Well, that, that hate tends to come uh, majority from uh, Caucasian Democrats. Um, when I start telling the truth about the fact that the community that is the most impacted by abortion is the black community. Uh, 800 to 900 black babies are aborted every single day. Uh, that amounts to about 18 million black babies aborted since 1973. And the black population has stagnated. Uh if you are an expert at abortions, I want you on the show. Is what she's saying correct? I'm not an expert in that. I never claimed to be an expert in that. My focus is on a, a bigger picture of, of cu cultural understanding and looking at the equity, making sure that everybody's on the up and up. There's a lot of information here. I can't, I can't be an expert at everything. She's throwing a lot out on this. So when it comes to abortions, when it comes to the Southern strategy, the Southern switch, we're going to need to study that to make sure that the information provided is true. Uh, we are not, our population growth has stagnated completely. These are the kinds of logical discussions that I've had that have earned me all the titles that we discussed before. I've got a whole bunch more questions, but uh, thank you for your time. I'd like to turn to uh, Mr. Klein if I could. I'm in Wiesenthal Center. I ask unanimous consent that all the statements we have received be included in the record without objection. I also ask unanimous consent to enter into the record the letter to the committee from the NAACP requesting that we conduct this hearing in the first place. Again, without objection. The gentleman from Colorado, Mr. Buck, is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Owens, I'm gonna direct these questions to you, if I may. Uh, I don't know that you've seen this, but it's a memorandum that the majority uh, Democrats prepare for uh, the committee members. And in this memorandum, they uh, go through the various witness names and organizations that they represent, uh, the Anti-Defamation League, Legal Justice Society, the uh, uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, and then we get to you. Oh my goodness. Candace Owens, Director of Communications at the Conservative 
Nobody else is described as progressive or liberal, but you are described as a conservative advocacy group, Turning Point USA, and a conservative commentator and political activist known for her criticism of Black Lives Matter and the Democrat Party. Um, I, I think you've caused my friends on the left to, to go to their safe spaces, and I'd love to ex uh, explore with you a little bit of the reason for that. Um, do you consider yourself a conservative? I am a conservative, yes. Okay. Are you pro-life? I am pro-life. Okay. Does that trigger people when you see them, that they know that you're pro-life? It makes them very upset, and okay. Democrats hate me. Uh, I don't think they hate you just because you say I'm a conservative and you're pro-life. <laughs> Come on. I think I think they have other reasons to hate you. But she didn't lie. You own a gun? Pardon? You own a gun? No, sir. When next time you come to Colorado, we'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll take you shooting. Are, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Uh, are you proud of your family? I'm very proud of my family. Okay. Um, let me ask you something. Do you hate Americans with black skin color? Woo! Where are these lines? Who is this guy? Colorado, we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll take you shooting. Are, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Uh, are you proud of your family? I'm very proud of my family. Okay. Um, let me ask you something. Do you hate Americans with black skin color? Uh, absolutely not. I actually love Americans with black skin color so much that I'm willing to fall on the sword a thousand times for them to wake up and realize that we are being lied to, abused, and used by the Democrat Party. How about... Sounds pretty straightforward to me, y'all. Whether she lying or not, what, we, what you gonna do? About 90% of the stuff she says is right. I mean, it's time that we, we start looking at what she's saying and, and, and really analyzing. Americans with white skin color, you hate them? I do not, and that's a problem for people on the left. You Let's, hate uh, Hispanics? I do not. Let's go back. Now he's asking about white skin color. This is a good to, to go to their safe space. This is a good question. To ex, uh, explore with you a little bit of the reason for that. One of the questions was a little rough, but a good line of question. Um, do you consider yourself a conservative? I am a conservative. Yes. Okay. Are you pro-life? I am pro-life. Okay. Does that trigger people when you see them that they know that you're pro-life? It makes them very upset, and Democrats hate me. Uh, do you own a gun? Pardon? Do you own a gun? No, sir. When next time you come to Colorado, we'll we'll, uh, we'll take you shooting. <laughs> no, we're not going shooting nowhere with you, homie. I don't know you. Why would I want to go hang out with you with, with guns? I don't know you. Are, are you a Christian? Yes, I am. Uh, are you proud of your family? I'm very proud of my family. Okay. Um, let me ask you something. Do you hate Americans with black skin color? Uh, absolutely not. I actually love Americans with black skin color so much that I'm willing to fall on the sword a thousand times for them to wake up and realize that we are being lied to, abused, and used by the Democrat Party. Seems pretty straightforward to me, y'all. Body language supports what she's saying, too. It's not like she's saying one thing and her body language is saying another. About Americans with white skin color, you hate them? I do not, and that's a problem for people on the left. Do you hate uh, Hispanics? I do not. Do you hate uh, uh, Asians? I do not. Um, do you hate lesbians or gays or anybody from the LGBTQ community? Nope, I've got all of that in my family. <laughs> I'm baffled because in the chairman's opening statement, he said that you openly associate with purveyors of hate. Yes, um, purveyors of hate, by his definition, is anybody that supports the president. I support the president because he's done a tremendous job in helping the black community, despite all of the rhetoric from the media and leftists. So I don't know that to be true. I don't know that Trump's done, done something to help the black community. 
I think his presidency has awakened a lot of people's minds that you need to go out here and build your own empires and stop looking for a president to save your life. I think that part, I don't know if he's done enough or has done anything specific. If anybody has those statistics that could back that up, hopefully she's about to tell me what what specifically she's referring to. Do not want him to be successful. Tell me a little bit about how the president has helped the black community. There it is. <laughs> There's a question. Well, let's go back just a little bit. In the chairman's opening statement, he said that you openly associate with purveyors of hate. Yes, um, purveyors of hate, by his definition, is anybody that supports the president. I support the president because he's done a tremendous job in helping the black community, despite all of the rhetoric from the media and leftists. So, do so, not want him to be successful. Tell me a little bit about how the president has helped the black community, if you would, please. Well, he's lowered the black unemployment rate. It's the lowest it's ever been in the history. Uh, he's getting us off of our feet. We see, uh, I believe the last number I checked was 3.5 million people are off of food stamps, something that the black caucus sat down and didn't applaud. Neither did any of the Democrats applaud uh, because they want a system where blacks are dependent on the government. Uh, they, they are people that put in place the policies that broke down the black family. And the biggest problem that's facing our community is father absence. Um, in every room that I've been in with the president, he talks about real issues and he doesn't pander to us. He doesn't do Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's southern drawl accent and speaking to us like we're slaves. He asks us important questions and the most important question he could have asked was Black America, what do you have to lose? Because we were already losing under Democrat leadership. Do you... Oh boy. <laughs> Y'all do realize that Candace Owens came up here ready to go. I told y'all last week, we're in an informational war, an informational war, and she's come ready. And she's taking shots left and right. Do you believe that you openly associate with purveyors of hate? I absolutely do not. I have, I have no tolerance for hate whatsoever. Do you believe that college campuses should be open uh, discussions uh, or there should be open discussions on college campuses for various issues? I absolutely do. You know, I do a campus tour tonight. I'm flying up to University of Connecticut to continue that. And we are being met with uh, aggressive <laughs> leftist groups. Uh, three Antifa chapters have declared they're going to try to shut it down. And uh, we face this violence every day on the left and nobody ever wants to talk about it. And I, I think she, she's calling y'all out. She's calling, she's calling the system out, but she needs to call out the Republicans too. If she just would call out the Republicans for their BS, we can get this thing going. But she's only going halfway. I guess what I was going to ask you, um, you, you went on to explain it before I got a chance to, but have you ever been disinvited from uh, uh, speech opportunities at college campuses because of your conservative views? all the time. Um, Is that a form of hatred, do you think? Of course it is. And we're not talking enough about political hatred in this country. We're not talking enough about conservative activists being attacked, like myself. Uh, we had a student whose dorm was set on fire. Uh, for being a member of the Turning Point chapter. And all we preach is for free markets and capitalism as, as a means to lift the most people out of poverty. That is my belief. And of course, my main thesis is that black people do not have to be Democrats and we are not owned by the left. And I understand that that causes some people trouble. What else you want her to say? I mean, besides the Republican part. What is she saying that's not true, y'all? What am I missing? What am I missing? Because everything I'm hearing... Besides the ones where I put flags down and said, let's go back to that at a later time. I'm not hearing any lies. So as a conservative, you've attended many conservative events and, and uh, visited with many conservatives. 
Um, and I, I am not denying for a moment that there are white supremacists and we should condemn white supremacists, that there are Nazis and we should condemn Nazis, uh, that there are hateful groups all across the political spectrum and we should condemn those. But in your uh, interactions with conservatives, have you seen hateful speech, uh, bigotry, racism among the conservatives that you've associated with? Um, I, I speak in front of conservatives probably three times a week. I jump on a stage and I say everything pro-black. Um, and they are so supportive and they applaud. All they want is for black. I don't know if she says everything pro-black. She has said some things that are uh, shots at the black community. Uh, obviously, she hasn't done that yet here. We're waiting. We're seeing if she's going to do anything outside of her black equity. Black Americans to realize that they are Americans first and foremost. Conservatives are patriots. The president is a patriot, and I'm a patriot, and there is no skin color in patriotism. Thank God. That's a great answer. I don't know if that is accurate, that Trump is a patriot, uh, I, but it's a great answer. And it's, a, it's a great abstract thought. We have you. Thank you very much for being here. could quarrel with the accuracy of that. It's a simple statement of who she is. Reclaiming my time. What I will say about this is you never, ever see anybody characterized in any other list of witnesses. This is the first time I've ever seen that, other than the stating what they represent or the group that they are from. This is seemingly, seemingly anyway, going beyond the bounds of what is the norm. That is an indication to me of how easy it is to demonstrate animus. And, and the, so it means for a logical question of Ms. Owens, which she's already addressed to some respect is, as you talk, Ms. Owens, and you go to universities, I'm gonna to go to UConn tonight, do you receive hate speech directed at you? All the time, and I really do feel that the media on the left has made it okay. And I do just want to add that my biography, which I submitted, uh, you reduced it to one sentence, uh, calling me a, a, just a conservative activist, and it wasn't what I said or what I submitted um, to your office last night. And, are the, and I, I just think that you opened with anti-black bias, and I see it coming from the chairman today. And Ms. Owens, these efforts to shut you down when you speak publicly on issues that you care about under the protection of the First Amendment, are they peaceful? No, they're, they're really scary. Uh, they threaten us online perpetually. I receive threatening letters to my home uh, when the media drums up narratives and pretends that I hate black people or that I hate gays or that I hate Muslims uh, with no evidence supporting any of those claims. What they're inviting is for people to think it's okay to be violent towards me when they see me. They wanna make it an act of virtue for people to be violent towards black conservatives that are outspoken. And there are on occasion false accusations and staged hate crimes. Um, what impact do those have on actual real hate crimes? It makes it harder, I think, for people to come forward or for people to believe it. Um, I don't see enough condemning of what Jesse Smollett did uh, what, to this nation in, in terms of tearing us apart and, and causing a debate. And obviously the left was quick to believe him and put him on a platform despite absolutely no evidence. Well, you got to believe somebody when they say it's a hate crime, Candace. You have to at least believe it and then investigate. And then if it's not, if it's not what the person said it is, then you can call them a liar. You can't just say, oh, you know, I did a hate crime. Oh, we don't believe you. You can't do that, Candace. You know better than that. 
Um, and it just makes it harder. Again, it just makes it harder for us to come together as a nation, which I think is what the president uh, is trying to do, bring everybody together. And Ms. Owens, are you familiar with the case of Isabella Chow, who is a uh, UC Berkeley senator who was harassed because of a position to, she took? I'm not. Well, Ms. Chow took a position of basically abstaining from a vote due to religious concerns and was harassed out of her position. And she was uh, hate speech galore, all arising and, and going forward. So it, it isn't that, that there isn't hate speech. It's that, that we need to condemn all hate speech. That, that's thoughts. correct. I, I definitely agree. We need to condemn all hate speech. There's only one type of hate speech like that, that they like to talk about and give a platform to. Um, it, there is a double standard in this country, and that double standard, I think, is being felt the most by black conservatives, uh, the Jewish community, and Christians. I would just call upon you, not in an adversary way, but in a genuine way, if you find things that, he are, that he's saying are negative, that you Time would say the, something. Well, we, we would like that as well. Him accurately too. Time of the gentleman has expired. The gentleman from Florida, Mr. Stubbe. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I, I would love to see my Democratic colleagues condemn anti-Semitism. I have a resolution that I have filed. Um, one of their own members of their own caucus have said very racist anti-Semitic remarks and have failed to directly address that. So to your point, I would love to see the other side of the aisle condemn one of their own for their own anti-Semitic remarks. I would like to take my time to yield to uh, Ms. Owens. If there's anything that's been said, I'm the last Republican here. So if there's anything that you would like to respond to, I'd like to give you uh, the balance of my time to do that. Uh, yes, I actually wanted to respond to Congressman Ciceline, um because he was making references to me, and I, and I thought that was a bit cowardly. Um, he said uh, he was dishonest when he said that the president refused to condemn white nationalism. Mr. Potts just literally gave the exact quote, the president doing just that. Uh, he does not want to accept the reality that the president has under multiple occasions condemned white supremacy and white nationalism. And the best condemnation of that is in the president helping the black community every single day with his policies. He also brought up family separation. This seems to only be an issue um, uh, for illegals at the border and nobody ever wants to talk about black babies being separated from the womb of black mothers. So if he actually cared about that, he would be embracing me. And lastly, he brought up the rhetoric of the president um, as in the same breath that he referred to me as despicable. I'm tired of hearing the left refer to people as despicable, as deplorable. We are Americans and we are patriots. And even if we disagree with you, name calling should not be something that is done, especially in, in, in these chambers. And the Obama administration, and apparently uh, as an imam, he was encouraging terrorism that they didn't realize at the time, but apparently that justified killing an American citizen without a trial just through the drone strike. And I really appreciate the atmosphere here. And Ms. Patterson, you sound like somebody I would love to be listening to every day, all day. And I would just encourage you, you know, in, in the name of eliminating hate, it, it helps if you don't misquote or mischaracterize statements of the president. He never said uh, asylum seekers are animals. He was talking about MS-13. And if you see the pictures of what they have done, I don't condone calling humans animals, but I've sent people to prison. I've even sentenced people to death um, and agreed with James Byrd's killers being sentenced to death. Thank you. My time's expired. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
In congressional hearings, the minority party gets to select its own witnesses. And of all the people that Republicans could have selected, they picked Candace Owens. I don't know Miss Owens. I'm not going to characterize her. I'm going to let her own words do the talking. So I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds of a statement she made about Adolf Hitler. I agree. I, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets, uh, the definition gets poisoned um, by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I, what I don't want. So when you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in, at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist. But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. Problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German. All right, so my uh, first question is to Ms. Hershenoff. Ms. Owens said, quote, if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. So when people try to legitimize Adolf Hitler, does that feed into white nationalist ideology? It does, Mr. Liu. I know that uh, Ms. Owens distanced herself from those comments later, but we expressed great concern over the original comments. Great, thank you. So there's been a lot of talk today. I'd like to focus on actual policy responses uh, that our government can do to uh, try to mitigate the threat of white nationalism. I know that in my district in Los Angeles just last month, uh, two swastikas were painted at Pan Pacific Park along with the Trail of Blood. I met with Jewish constituents in my district who mentioned that uh, at their synagogues, they've all had to increase security. Uh, as you know, there is a nonprofit security grant program at the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, do you believe it'd be worthwhile to increase funding to that program? The ADL has, for establishment reasons, First Amendment reasons, been very cautious and wary of government funding to uh, religious institutions. That being said, we well understand the fear and the safety. So I think that is something that has to be done very carefully in terms of one entanglement. I know in the place where I, in Westchester County, where I live, the state and local governments provide a great deal of protection uh, to the synagogue uh, to which I belong. So I do understand, and I would like to work more with Congress, but I want to caution about where we entangle. This is a very difficult thing to do, because when we're scared like this, of course so, we want money. So that is a great point you make, and I want to note that this program would apply to mosques as well as synagogues, so it is not specific uh, to the religion. Uh, but. Uh, it is true, the First Amendment does affect all these issues, including, for example, private sector companies to say whatever it is uh, that they want. Now, I'd like to also talk about a second um, program, and this was one that... Now, he didn't, he started off attacking Candace Owens and has stayed away from asking her any specific questions. How do you play the clip and not even and give her a chance to respond. Now you got to wait a second for someone else to give her a chance to respond. That's a, that seems a little weird to me. I'm there, I asked uh, Ms. Clark about, and it has to do with the Trump administration wanting to cut a very specific office called the Community Relations Service Office 
uh, in the Civil Rights Division of Department of Justice. Can you first explain to American people what that office does and uh, why uh, it would be a bad idea to cut funding? The Community Relations Service Office is a very critical um, uh, part of the Justice Department. They are considered the peacemakers. They are the ones who step into communities that are embroiled uh, in the aftermath of a hate incident. Uh, they are the ones who you'd want to deploy out to Louisiana, to the parishes where the churches are burning right now. They're the ones that you'd want on the ground right after the Charlottesville hate rally. We are deeply concerned by proposals to um, cut funding to this office, to shift this um, office to another part um, of the agency. It's important that this agency's work be completely non-political, but the very subject matter of this hearing today underscores the urgency of maintaining this office that has been with us for decades. And in fact, one of the reasons that this office has worked well is because uh, people who go there and get interviewed, uh, it is not a prosecutorial office, and does that make it easier for people to uh, provide information? That's right. The, they are the peacemakers. They are the ones who go in and connect with communities that are suffering in the aftermath of a hate incident. They connect with um, victims uh, of, of crimes and hate crimes and connect them with services. And most importantly, they're the ones who help to uh, ensure that an incident doesn't escalate uh, and lead to more tension. So we need this agency now more than ever. Thank you. And I yield back. So you... you... You take a shot, and then you you never give the the you never give the person you take a shot at an opportunity to speak. That seems a little weird to me. Gentleman from North Dakota, Mr. Armstrong. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I would uh, yield my time to Mr. Reschenthaler from Pennsylvania. Thank you, uh, Ms. Owen. Uh, Ms. Owens, I'm sorry. We just started a recording. Um, would you like time to respond to that? Yes, um, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Liu believes that black people are stupid and will not uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted witness, clip. The witness absent. will suspend for a moment. It is not proper to refer disparagingly or with, to a member of the committee. Uh, the witness will not do that again. What did she do that was disparagingly? You you throwing around that little little hammer thing a little a little gavel, you throwing that gavel around a little hard. What did she do? Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, Witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. She didn't refer to anybody on the committee as stupid. She said that you would think the black people are stupid because you're playing a clip that's not fully in context. I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you do. Get it together. That's not what she said. She didn't say that. I think you should apologize. You, you didn't listen to what I said. That's not what she said. Look, I know y'all don't like her. I know a lot of people listening to this don't like her. And I'm sure she says some things in, in this episode that is just a little bit much. But you can't make up your own facts. May I continue? Please. As I said, he is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. 
and he purposefully extracted, he cut off and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany when in fact the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed that Hitler was a, whether or not I believed in nationalism and that nationalism was bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac. She's being a little bit stronger on it now. I remember when that clip first came out, it was a little uh, it was a little bit on the fence, but I don't think she ever meant anything by it. I think people just wanted something to hold on to. And whenever it comes down to Hitler, you know, when, once Hitler is mentioned, people will just grab onto that and just go go full in. And they don't even necessarily listen to the context of the information. Was she right or wrong with the Hitler comment? I don't even think it was that that deep, to be honest with you. I'm just being honest. I think the Hitler comment was only only a big deal because it was Hitler. It was only a big deal because it, it, it was a name attached to it that would get headlines, if we're going to be honest. That killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip, and he purposely wanted to give you a cut-up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative. That was unbelievably dishonest, and he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and should tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. By the way, I would like to also add that I work for Prager University, which is run by an Orthodox Jew, and a single Democrat showed up to the embassy opening in Jerusalem. I sat on a plane for 18 hours to make sure that I was there. I'm deeply offended by the insinuation of, of revealing that clip without the question that was asked of me. I think if you are going to reveal a clip, you might want to have it in full context. 30 seconds. What does that prove, man? What do you? And then you, you sidestep... And don't even ask her to respond to the 30-second clip. So what was the whole point of your 30-second clip? It's like, man, you're just playing political games. These political games have to stop. Thanks, Mrs. Owens, and I yield the remainder of my time. Gentleman yields back. The uh, gentleman from Maryland. Candace Owens came up there, laid it all out. She laid it all out on the line. She gave you her truth. Now, since I've been able to review this information, we also have to reveal that there is there is damaging evidence to what she is saying. We have proof that the Southern switch, the Southern strategy is real. And so as much as the things that she's saying, I would say about 95 percent of everything she's saying makes perfect sense to me. Here you go, my friends. Here's the Southern strategy in a nutshell. Here's how I would approach that issue as a, as a, as a statistician or a political scientist. Or, no, as a psychologist, which I'm not. Is, is how abstract you, you handle the race thing. In other words, you start out, and, and now y'all aren't quoting me. It's hard. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger. That hurts your backfire. So you say stuff like uh, force busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you get so abstract now, you're talking about cutting taxes and all of these things you're talking about are totally economic things. And the byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying... 
that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. Uh, you follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying uh, we want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than, than even the busing thing, uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than never knew, you know. So I, any way you look at it, race is coming on the back burner. Lee Atwater was an American political consultant and strategist for the Republican Party. He was an advisor to U.S. Presidents Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush and chairman of the Republican National Committee. Atwater aroused controversy through his aggressive campaign tactics. He is telling people in that clip of the strategy off record, but obviously we now have the audio where he is saying we're going to go from blatantly saying nigga, nigga, nigga. And now we're going to go and we're going to use uh, abstract ideas such as uh, busing and and other words, key words. And this is moving from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and 80s. So and now in today's politics, you still see it. You still see buzzwords. You still see uh, thugs and you still see super predators. There's always these these other words that are used because we're not going to use nigga, nigga, nigga. And so that is what is happening there. Candace Owens says there was no Southern strategy. There was no Southern switch. There was no, uh, that isn't real is what she's saying. I think she was told that by somebody else. And now that's what they're going to jump on. So what you're going to see in the news, what you're going to hear about is that one part. That's the part they're going to get her on. So everything else besides I said, hey, bring on people to discuss uh, the abortion rates in the black community. I'm more than happy to, to discuss that with someone who's an expert in that area. Besides that, that's what they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on that one part. Everything else, I don't have, there's nothing else. <laughs> there's nothing else you can really go after in, in these statements. So that's what you're going to see. And that's what they're going to play now for the next year or two. So get ready. This is an informational war. This is an informational war. And in war, we do not have time to mourn. 